the humanities and social sciences. Welcome to another episode of Oh the Humanities and Social Sciences, the hashtag hashtag podcast. In this episode, I'm joined by Chad Carey, who's going to be talking about innovative teaching learning strategies that can be used in the history classroom. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. In today's episode, I'm joined by Chad Carey. Chad, welcome. Uh, thank you for having me. Um, well, look, thanks for coming on the show. Um, some great, uh, great strategies for history teachers lined up in, in, in this episode. Um, before we get started, can you give the listeners a bit of a rundown about who you are? Uh, yeah, no worries. So um, my name is Chad Carey. I am a history teacher at Kassoula High School. I've been teaching there for, oh, this is my eighth year now. Uh, I feel like I've been there for about 20 years because I used to go there as a, as a student. Um, and yeah, I've got a, got a passion for history. Obviously, I'm in the, the HISI faculty, so I teach a bit of geo as well. Um, senior classes, I teach, um, teach ancient history. Started off as modern history, but um, yeah, pretty much ancient history is my thing now, so... All right, and look, and you mentioned that um, you've been there for about eight years, um, and but you were there as well as a student. So uh, this is actually something um, that I've been thinking about recently. I don't know why, um, but the idea of former students going back to the same school they used to uh, um, to teach that they used to be a student at. How do you feel about that? Um, yeah, it was it was it was weird, obviously, when I first went back, but it probably took about um, took about three months to um, start seeing the um the teachers as um as colleagues and um and seeing them in a, in a different light and you obviously get that that thorough appreciation for for what they do very early on yeah rather than calling them sir and miss still even though you're you're an adult and you're you're a professional yeah exactly right and um yeah. yeah so a lot of people think I'm mad for going back to the school but at the end of the day like I was I was very comfortable so it didn't really take me too long to um to sort of settle in and obviously you know just knowing the school knowing the system knowing the bell times all those sorts of things so just little things but um yeah they they made the transition into into teaching quite easy yeah, and you, you mentioned you were um, you used to do modern, and now your ancient history is your thing. Mm. Um, when you went to uni, did you specialize in both modern and ancient, or did you retrain to do ancient? Like, did you get a new code to be able to teach ancient later on, or how'd that work? Yeah, no. So um, I, I trained in modern history, and um, I was actually quite—I um, was—I wasn't really interested in ancient history at all going through school. Um, so I was actually—I I trained in history and English. And um, I figured those two sort of went hand in hand when it was coming time for looking for a permanent job. Um, but yeah, I got the opportunity about six years ago, an ancient history class popped up and my head teacher said, you're teaching this. And I was pretty nervous, um, didn't really know much about it at all, but I just figured, you know, stay one lesson ahead of the kids. And I've never looked back about three years ago, I was actually asked um, by my current head teacher, you know, you've got a choice here. You can teach the ancient history class or the modern history class. And um, yeah, never would have thought of it, but I ended up um, saying, yeah, I'll teach ancient. Yeah. And did you, did you do ancient or modern as a student in, in 11 and 12 at all? Or? No. So I did modern history in year 11 and 12, but um, no, didn't, uh, didn't do it for, for ancient. Yeah. All right. Um, so look, um, keep considering the, the history, uh, the history theme, uh, let's talk history. So, um, you're doing some really great innovative things in the um, in the history classroom um, that I, I think a lot of teachers, um, not just of history, but you know, teachers of any any hizzy or has subject really can benefit from. Um, so, so some of these things that um, that you're doing, um, some of them are very low tech, so you know, easily applicable by 
uh, by a lot of teachers, depending on what their what their situation is. Some of them um, I've heard of, and they're, they're quite uh, they're quite high tech, and I've never implemented. So this this it's quite interesting. So um, what what are some of the things you're doing in the classroom in terms of this is weird in terms of walls that teach? I've, I've, I'm not really sure what you mean here. Um, yeah, so if uh, if anyone's sort of seen um, seen my classroom, I put a few pictures up on the um, on the, the history teachers Facebook page. Um, uh, very very proud of my walls, but um, yeah, so I've got just a, a range of different things going on in the, in um, you know, all around the classroom, just for students to just um, get lost in history and um, and and sort of get intrigued and want to ask questions. So as soon as they walk in, they'll see um, basically big massive timelines on the back walls full of images um there's a lot of uh, interactive elements to it um if i decide to use it in class um but yeah it's just completely immersive um it's a it's got like memes qr codes um, a lot of the images themselves are linked up with a um an app called hp reveal so if they um, scan the image it's image recognition technology and i've hooked it up so that it, it goes from a standard image to a video clip or it goes to an image of some of my students explaining what the um, historical event is or something like that. So that's HP Reveal. That's pretty cool. Um, the interactive timelines are, uh, are really awesome and um, I'm a big fan of uh, historical memes. So we've got a section dedicated to that and everything. So that usually engages the kids and that's what it's all about. It is about student engagement. Yeah, and how often do you do you sort of replace anything on there? Is this um is this in itself a historical artifact that just sort of sits there all year, or are you you know altering things as as the course goes on, or is this um something that just sort of sits there? Yeah, no, it's a good question. So um at, at points it will uh, it will sit there for a little bit, but I do like to keep it up to date. So every now and then I will change up elements, and uh, it's an ongoing process because it's all held up by Bluetech, so a lot of this stuff will fall down um, when you know students are leaning on the walls or something like that. So. Um, I'm constantly updating them. But um, so there are sections that haven't existed. So it's been an ongoing process for like five years, started off with the back wall and then the side walls sort of gradually took place. But I like to get students involved. So um, students are pretty into it. And when I ask a class, you know, who wants to be involved in this sort of a process, like I've got an idea, but I need your guys' help. So I get my senior classes. My senior classes did one of the side walls. They did a um, an interactive timeline for... Um, for the Roman Republic, which is one of their major topics, and um, that was all about um, inquiry-based learning. And we um, we bought some props and uh, and took some photos and actually added our own class photos to the interactive timeline. So we were representing um, the death of Cleopatra, the birth of Julius Caesar, Julius Caesar being um, captured by pirates, all that sort of fun stuff. So um, and now they've got a they've got a side wall that um, that they can be proud of. Yeah, and I'm assuming you've got your own classroom as well. Like you're you're not moving around uh, the school, or I definitely wouldn't be. Uh, I wouldn't be able to do it if I was moving um, around different classrooms. So um, I am very lucky, and I've been told this several times um, from other teachers outside of um, my school. You know, wishing that they had their own classroom to do this sort of stuff with, because a lot of history teachers, we all seem to be on the same page where we'd like to dress up our classroom. So yeah, I've had my classroom for the last seven years. Yeah, and look, and look, this is still. I mean, I, I, even though you've got your own classroom, this is something that sounds like it could still be relatively transferable to someone who has to travel. Do you think, or oh, one hundred percent. So, I mean, most recently, um, got my year twelve class for Pompeii and Herculaneum. They um, 
they selected the best um, best frescoes and mosaics and um, they all sent them through to me and I got them all printed, laminated, and um, and we put together just a just a small section of the of the wall uh, dedicated to their their core topic. So um, it, I could have done that in any classroom, and you can do that with um, with any year group as well. Yeah, and look, you mentioned so you mentioned two things um, with your walls that we'll sort of delve into as well. Now, one of them uh, QR codes. A lot of people are quite familiar with. Um, and you mentioned that it links things to, um, to 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 websites and images and videos for the kids. Um, is this a, do, do, are kids allowed to have their mobile phone on them? How, how are you using them in the classroom? Are they scanning it using an iPad, using their laptop, or yeah, uh, so, phones allowed? Yeah, so at um, Ecosaur we've got uh, bring your own device, and um, with the as long as the teacher is directing that it's for learning, they're allowed to use their mobile phones. But the BYOD is actually for iPads. Um, I will allow mobile phones just to ensure that everyone is able to participate in the in the lessons. But we also do have um, class sets of iPads that are available to um, to borrow from the library if students don't have their own device. Um, so yeah, they will be using their iPads or mobile phones to scan the QRs in class. Okay, and you meant and the other thing was HP reveal. Is that uh, well, what does a HP stand for? Is that sure? Is that a, a, yeah, a, so- a website or? Um, so, so HP Hewlett Packard, um, they bought out um, what originally was Erasma, um, and gave it a name change. And um, yeah, so HP Reveal, and uh, yeah, as I said, it's it's image recognition or it's it's anything recognition. Basically, you control it. You scan something, it'll tell you then what to overlay that particular image with. Um, so it can be used for bringing um, historical terms. So you've got, your, um, you've got your spelling list or your key terms for a topic. You can use HP Reveal to detect the term in a book and then you can tell it to reveal an image that's appropriate for that. So um, really good for uh, students with um, as, um, English as a second language um, and, and any visual learners as well. And, and, and is this something that you've had to set up or are there any sort of pre-prepared ones on there on the yeah. HP Reveal website that you can sort of put in to save time or have you yeah. sort of done the, the hard slog yourself? There are pre-prepared stuff, but it's um, it's it's very basic. So you definitely want to get on there and um, and have a tinker with it and see what um, see what you can do when you've got ownership of it and set up your own account. You, what, I, what I've done is I've set up a class account um, so that students, I'll give the students the details so that they can actually add to the class account as well. Um, and then there's my own personal one for the for the walls, um, and I'll give the students the uh, the details there so that they can they can use it for those images as well. Okay, and look, one of the other sort of innovative things you're using, and, and a lot of, and a lot of other teachers are, are currently using this. I've heard of it. I've never actually sort of delved into it, but clickers, the use of clickers. Yeah, so um, my wife actually introduced me to um, to clickers. She's a primary school teacher. And um, I was on it straight away because I saw the benefit of it. So the students are just given what looks like a bit of a QR code. Um, and that's basically all they need to participate in some sort of form of formative assessment. Really great for data collection. And um, one of the big reasons why I was into it was because um, with BYOD, despite the fact that in theory that sounds good, in practice, a lot of our classes, a lot of our students are not bringing their devices. Um, whether it you know they can't afford it, whether it's because the school the teachers aren't really using the technology enough in class, and the students aren't bothered to bring them, um, so we get a lot of issues there. Um, and it only takes you know 
six, seven people not bringing their devices to sort of make it very tricky for a teacher to facilitate a particular lesson. So with clickers, um, I've got all the clickers that are associated with the students. I hand them out at the start of the lesson. I'll ask them, you know, their multiple choice questions. Um, and the, the technology, it's still interactive. It's still technology, but it's all on my end. So I'm responsible for the technology. So it goes through my phone or my iPad, it accesses my, um, my camera. And so I'll ask them a question at the top of the, the clicker is either an A, B, C or D, and they'll turn it around, obviously, depending on what they want to answer. And within five seconds, my phone will pick up all 30 of the class responses. Um, and all of the students' names will appear through the camera um, with whether they've got the answer right or wrong, and then that immediately gets transferred up on the interactive whiteboard um, so that the students know whether or not, you know, their answer's been registered and all that sort of stuff. Um, and then at the end, I can display their um, their results to um, to the class or I can just keep that sort of stuff to myself. Okay, and... and- um, again, this is this is a sort of a, a, a bit of a high tech thing for students uh, for for teachers to use. So if they haven't got access to, um, you know, a, a, um, on their end, as you said, you're the one that needs to do the scanning. Um, Plickers is it, it doesn't really work any other way, does it? No. So Plickers is an app. Um, yeah. So you'll just need to download the app. Um, so it sort of works with your if you've got a, some sort of projector. Um, and then you've got your computer, you will log on to the website Plickers, and then you sort of, it, it's two-way between the app on your phone and the interactive whiteboard. Um, so you control everything and everything gets updated immediately. You move on to the next question. So you don't have to do anything on the computer. Um, it's all just controlled through your phone. Okay, and very similar, or, or, or not really similar, but another way, great way of, of, of getting some formative assessment. This is something that I've used uh last year only sort of really started using it last year and I find quite good uh, is Mentimeter. Yes, Mentimeter. How, how are you using that in your classroom for history yeah. at least? Yeah, so I'm definitely enjoying Mentimeter. Um, as you said, very similar. Um, obviously, one of the one of the problems um, that I find is when the students aren't bringing their devices, it can be a little bit tricky. So if they're working in pairs, you're not really getting an accurate understanding of what an individual student might know. Um, so I've, I've, um, I've definitely dabbled with it when the students are bringing their devices. It's, it's excellent. Um, similar, as you mentioned, you know, you, you display it all up on the, um, up on the board and you can move between questions and whatnot. Um, definitely a great form of formative assessment, quite interactive. Um, you can use it to create, you know, something as simple as a, as a word, um, as a wordle. Um, or you can get um, your digital responses displayed up on the board and you can read them out to the class and, um, and once again, save those, those sorts of responses. Um, so yeah, definitely some, some benefits. Um, I always like to, like to talk about, you know, simple things to watch out for. Um, Mentimeter will definitely hook you. Um, and then you'll probably be wanting to get the full version, which is obviously a paid service. So that's what I did. I paid the, I think it was $70 for the, um, for the year or something. Um, and that just allows you to, um, to create more questions and have, um, you know, a little bit more of the full features, I suppose. Um, the only other thing that I would mention in relation to Mentimeter is that although you can, um, you can put like sensors on the responses to make sure the students aren't swearing and stuff like that, what it can't do 
is filtered through silly responses. So sometimes you might get an anonymous response from students that is some form of bullying to another student. So those are just little things to look out for. Um, but there's definitely benefits to to definitely be trialing stuff like this. It's just, you know, there's some things to be aware of if you do have a challenging class. Yeah, and look, that's something that can happen with any um you know, with any uh, with any use of technology or even using, you know, just pen and paper, really, you can't sort of mitigate against every little eventuality. I think it just comes down to, you know, I think it just comes down to that culture you got in the classroom or the behavior management, but you're never going to be able to stamp out every single thing. Oh, exactly right. And, yeah. it shouldn't, and it shouldn't shy you away from using any um, digital technology either. Yeah, exactly. That shouldn't stop you from from wanting to try something because you you know give the kids benefit of the doubt. You know, you know, you might think, oh, I can't trust them, but you know, give it a go. They might they might surprise you there. Oh, 100%. Yeah, exactly. Give them a bit right. of faith. Um, and look, um, one last thing I want to have a chat about, and this is something that I really do love, is something like using the uh, using escape rooms. Oh, yeah. Um, that was something that, um, that I trialed out um, for the first time last year. Very excited about it. Um, it took about a term of planning, um, but I just went up to, um, to, to Bunnings and, and went shopping online and bought a whole bunch of um, different padlocks, worded locks, um, safes, um, any sort of props that I thought would be handy and, um, yeah, put together a World War I uh, themed escape room, which was, um, uh, upon reflection, was uh, was absolutely epic. So um, students really enjoyed that. Um, we got the principal involved um, with the storyline and we had um, we had him being a, a soldier in the Australian Army who was captured by the, um, the Turks in, uh, in Gallipoli and uh, the whole... Um, escape room was designed for the students to to save him. Yeah, look, this will be very similar to the breakout box, I guess, but rather than trying to get into a box, you're trying to get out of the room instead. Yeah, exactly right. Awesome. Well, look, um, before we before we wrap up, Chad, um, is there any any sort of final messages or any sort of thing you want to say about using innovative ideas in history to the listeners? Um, no, definitely. Uh, just one of the things that I, I want to stress to the listeners is that when you do have an innovative idea, it's really important to get your staff members involved. Um, so let them know what you're doing, invite them to the class because they often come up with extra ideas to sort of enhance that experience. Um, and then they'll obviously uh, be sharing that sort of thing. So it's, it's all about paying it forward. So whenever I try anything out, I definitely let my staff members know um, the benefits also, you know, things to look out for because um, whenever you're trialing something, if something goes wrong, um, it's very easy to sort of push back and say, look, I don't want to do this ever again. Um, but it's really important to persevere and, and get out all those kinks. And, and if you figure that out, letting your staff members know. But, um, yeah, being a part of um, a collective statewide teacher efficacy um, is something that I would encourage as well. So if you're a member of, of, of Twitter or a Facebook group, um, share your experiences and um, and ask for advice and um, let us all know about it as well. Well, look, Chad, thank you very much for um, for giving up your time to um, have a chat about innovative ideas in history. Not a problem. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for listening. To continue the conversation, find us on Twitter at hashtag HouseChat. This podcast is part of the Australian Educators Online Network. AEON.net.au